tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to be talking about the Word. It's important that we grow in our understanding of His Word. You know, a lot of us grew up in church or in some sort of religious setting, but that doesn't always mean that we know what the Bible actually says. You know, and I remember my whole entire childhood, I went to church basically every Sunday, went to church camps, and I don't ever remember anyone ever openly reading the Bible. I don't ever remember anybody talking about the importance of reading your Bible. I technically don't ever remember anybody saying the importance of salvation. You know, it wasn't until I was 18 that I went to a basketball um, retreat and, you know, with some Baptists and they did like an altar call and, you know, I raised my hand because I knew I was a sinner, you know, and uh, I accepted the Lord. But I went to church every Sunday, never hearing it. And many of us grew up in different religious settings. Many of us didn't grow up in church. Many of us have different sort of spiritual backgrounds. And we just don't really know what the Bible actually says. You know, I thought this was a book of rules. And I don't do rules. So why would I ever want to read that book? You know, telling me all the do's and don'ts of, you know, you know, and some of it we pick up along the way. You know, we know we're not supposed to do this. We know we're not supposed to do that. Or God says this. You know, <clears throat> but it wasn't until I started reading it for myself that I started to really have an encounter with God and started to understand who Jesus really was. You know, and it's important that we're we're reading His Word to know who Jesus is. You know, I don't care about religiousness. I'm. You know, I think that there's certain things that are important, but I think that it's more important that we follow Jesus. You know, and Jesus broke a lot of the rules back in the day to the point that they killed him for it. You know, and, and that's our example. I don't think that, you know, we're supposed to be disrespectful or argumentative. I don't think that we're supposed to, to fight people, you know, because Jesus didn't do that. You know, he he walked in a, in a, in a way that people were attracted to him. And people just knew that there was something different about him and they wanted to figure that out, you know, and I think that that's what we're called to do is be different, you know, in a biblical sense, you know, so I have a few scriptures that were very impactful for me in the very beginning as I began to read the word for the first time, you know, and you know, I came to the church after a relapse, and, and uh, I accepted the Lord, you know, and I started coming every Sunday because that's what you're supposed to do, right? You know, and Pastor Rick would, you know, come up to me because I stuck out like a sore thumb in, in that church. I always wore, like, flaming shirts. I had piercings coming out of everywhere. You know, I had naked girls on my shirts. You know, it's like the devil came to church, you know, it's like, so it wasn't easy to, to, you know, it wasn't too hard. It was really easy to see that Tom was in church that day, and it still kind of is. I, don't, I, I basically wear wife beaters every day. But, <clears throat> you know, he would come up to me, and he would start talking to me. And, you know, he's like, oh, it's important to read your word. And I'd be like, okay. You know, and I really didn't speak much back then, you know, especially to people I didn't know. It's not very different today, to be honest with you. But, you know, each week he would come up and be like, he would engage me and be like, hey, did you read your Bible? And I'd be like, no. 
like, oh man, it's important that you read your Bible. And I'm like, okay. You know, and this went on for several weeks. And uh, one day he was like, do you even own a Bible? And I'm like, no. <laughs> he's like, whoa, man. You know, and if you know Pastor Rick, he's really animated. He's like, why didn't you tell me? And it's like, because I don't want to read it. You know, like, and he's like, oh, man, it's so important. And he's like getting all excited about reading the Bible. And I'm just thinking, like, this is torture. You know, and I'm like, did they make a movie? There's a better chance that I would watch that. He's like, oh, man, it's so important that you read your Bible. You know, he's, and he goes in to this little thing or little. And, and I'll never forget it because I think it was a very key, important moment for me to respect him personally and for me to take that step with God because he put it in my language for somebody that didn't understand my language. And you'll understand in a second what I mean by that. He's like, if this is real, if the Bible is real, if Jesus really lived, if Jesus really had this sinful, sinless life, that he died for my sinfulness, that he was crucified on a cross, that he was laid to rest in a tomb, and then three days later he was resurrected, the least you could do is read one page. And I, and I start laughing because he's trying to manipulate somebody that's from the streets, you know. And I'm like, you're finally speaking my language. You know, because I'm a master manipulator. None of us in here know nothing about that, I know. But, you know, I was pretty bad at it, you know. And I remember the next time, it, you know, the next Sunday, it was time to go to church. And I remember Saturday night, it clicked in my head. It's like, I need to read a page of that stupid book because that guy won't leave me alone. You know, and he told me to start in the Gospel of John. You know, so I flipped open to the Gospel of John and I read a page. Fully prepared to deal with this guy that's harassing me about reading this dumb book. And he never brought it up ever again. <laughs> but it started my journey of reading a page a day. So a lot of you, when you get here, you're, ga- you're given a Gospel of John and you're asked to read a page a day. Because that's how my journey started. You know, and most likely you're going to read that first page and you're not going to understand a thing that's on it. And that's okay. But if this is true, if Jesus really lived for us and died for us, you know, if he, you know, was resurrected for us, the least we could do is read one page. It's still true today, you know. It's still manipulation, and it's still true. You know, so if there's anybody that's new, if there's anybody that doesn't have a Bible, or if there's anybody that wants to, to start reading with us, I have some Gospel of John's. We'll be more than happy to give you one. You know, and I think that it's important that we all start this journey of getting to know God's Word at a pace that we can we can understand one page is not a big deal. It, it, it's going to take you less than five minutes unless you really want to like look some stuff up as you're coming across some names and places and things you don't understand. But the, the ones that we hand out have a lot of the answers at the bottom of the page. You know, it makes it easier to read because a lot of the things that you would come across and, and think about that they, you know, they're explained for you in the, the Bibles that we use. You know, and this is where my journey started. 
and it's one page a day, one page a day, one page a day, one page a day. And then finally I got to a place that I'm reading something and I'm not done with the thought that, you know, that the story continued on the next page and I flipped the page and I read two pages in one day. It was like a miracle was taking place in Tom's life, you know. And then it got to the point where I was reading more, you know, reading a chapter. Like, I can handle a chapter. It, it literally takes less than 15 minutes. Like, you know, if I'm going to supposedly figure this stuff out, you know, I, maybe I should, you know, read about it. You know, many of us have been to church. We know all the bells and whistles. We know Christmas. We know Easter. You know, Jesus is coming, so we hide the eggs. We, we know all the stuff, you know. But we don't really understand his word. We don't really know Jesus. And the only way that we can really get to know Jesus is to read what people that lived with them actually wrote. You know, and that's where the Gospels come in. And they're eyewitness testimonies of people that walked with Jesus at that time, you know, or did research and talk to people that lived around Jesus. And they wrote eyewitness testimony so that we could have the best explanation for who he was. And there was people around that were still alive when they wrote those words down. So if there was ever anybody that disagreed with it, those people would have came forward and they didn't because everybody knew that those words were true. You know, and a lot of us struggle with that. This was written by man. You know, that it's 66 books with 40 different authors over like 1500 years from three different continents and it all runs together like a congruent story. Like it's literally impossible for us to get our own thoughts on paper and have us agree, let alone that type of scenario. You know, there's over 300, you know, prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus himself fulfilled in just a couple years. Like that's literally impossible. You know, and there's, you know, there's story after story after story of how God's word has been proven as they've done archaeological digs, if they've gone different places and, and they questioned if, you know, these stories in the Bible were true and then they dig something up. And every time they find something, you know, archaeologically, it proves what the Bible has said. There's not one thing that has ever been dug up out of the ground that says it can, can come against the truth of what the Bible says. You know, it's, an extremely important book throughout time, and it's an extremely important book in my life because it, it helped change me into the man that I am today. But let me tell you a couple encounters that and stories that I've had as I've read the word. You know, my first rhema word, and that's where God kind of speaks to you from the text, is out of John three eighteen through 21. You know, it says that there is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged or not by not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people's love for darkness more than light for their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for the fear of their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so that others can see that what they are doing is what God wants. And as I'm reading this, it's like I get flashed 
back in time to a time that I'm coming out of someone's house. It's like seven o'clock, eight o'clock in the morning in August. It's already like way too friggin' hot. You know, I got to go take care of some stuff so I can continue on my sinful journey. And all I want to do is go back into the dark apartment. You know, and it, it made this come true in my life in a second. Because in my sinfulness, all I ever wanted to do was hang out in the dark. You know, that any time that I came anywhere near light, it would hurt me. Literally, my eyes would be hurting. You know, I, I needed to be in the dark. I hated being in the daylight. You know, and it was like God's word was like shining from the inside out of me and exposing what was really going on in my life, even though that this was written 2,000 years ago. You know, you know, and this is one example of how God speaks to us as we read his word, you know, and this is the story that I was referencing, you know, last week is like, I shut the book and like, whoa, what's up with this? Because it freaked me out. You know, like I've never read anything that did that to me ever, you know, and it was like this story that I just read this, you know, few verses that I just read showed me practical application in my own life. And it was like, whoa, what is the deal with that? You know, you know, and it was just something that was really impacting. And I was like, I kind of, you know, maybe I ate something, you know, I didn't get enough sleep. You know, maybe I got too much sleep. Like, you know, what's really going on? And, and I just kept it moving, you know. And at that point, I'm reading like a chapter a day. So this is chapter three. And the next time that I had some sort of encounter like this was John chapter 20. You know, I remember that I would come out in the morning and I would get my coffee and I would sit at the coffee table and I had a bunch of different morning meditations that I would read through, you know, and I would read my chapter of the day, sipping on my cup of coffee and smoking cigarettes. You know, and I was starting to get frustrated because I'm coming to church, you know, I kind of want this and I kind of don't. And, you know, I'm still kind of doing my own thing, but I'm, you know, I'm attempting to, to change some areas of my life and, you know, I'm staying sober because that's my main, you know, hiccup. So I think at that point in time, you know, and I'm just wanting God to change one area of my life and, you know, and I'm really still struggling in a lot of different ways in my mind and, and in my personal life. And I'm sitting there in my living room and I said, God, if you're real, move something in this room. And I sat back and I start looking <laughs> and I'm like waiting for something to happen that's significant, you know, and I'm like, see, you're not real. This is all, you know, nonsense, you know, and I'm frustrated, but, you know, I, I haven't finished the chapter, so I got to finish the chapter because that's my, my deal. If I started, I got to finish it. And. I read John 20, 24 through 29, and it's, it's changed my life. It says, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was with the others when Jesus came. They told him that when they seen the Lord, but he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers in them and place my hands in his wounds and his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, 
and this time Thomas was with them, the doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. He said, Peace be with you. And then Thomas said, and he said to Thomas, Here, put your finger in my hole, you know, in my hand, look in my hands. And he, and he said, Put you know, your hand on the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord, my God, Thomas explained. And Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I sat there and I cried. Because Jesus moved me that day in that room. In a way that has never been unmoved. My name is Thomas. So obviously it relates. But I'm also a Gemini. So as you believe in your horoscopes, the Gemini sign is a twin. So not only am I a twin, I'm a double twin. You know, and I just got done saying the very thing that I read, that if you don't prove it to me, then I'm not going to believe in this. So, and Jesus basically come and came through the wall. He like walked through the wall and said, Thomas, here, what do you, what else do you want? Here I am. You know, and this is always, this has been a foundational piece for me is because I didn't trust the Bible. I didn't trust Christianity. I didn't trust people, period. But yet, in the privacy of my own home, that no one else knew what I was saying, I never had a conversation about that before. I've never read that text before. I didn't know anything about that text before. But in my own house, I utter words that if you're real, move something in this room. And Jesus did. He moved me. You know, and from that point forward, every time I would read something in the word, I'm like, I don't believe that. I would hear him speak, blessed are those believe without seeing. And I would have to, and I would tell myself over and over again, you got to trust it. You got to trust it. You got to trust his word. And, and I'm, uh, you know, and I would wrestle with it because, like, it's hard to believe. But yet, if I'm going to truly say that I believe in him, I need to trust his word. You know, and this began the story as I would read things about miracles, signs, wonders, you know, that I would choose to say, no, I'm going to believe that this is real. Because for any of us that grew up in, in church, you know, you got you got Adam and Eve, then you got Moses in the bush, and then Moses with the, the Red Sea, and then, you, you know, you go into, like, Noah's Ark, and you go into the flood, you know, and then you go into Jonah and the whale, and then at some point in your life, you got Santa Claus and the Ether Bunny and the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> you know, these are the stories that your parents tell you as kids, so, like, it at some point when you reach a state of reason in your own mind, like you figure out Santa's not real, the tooth fairy's not real, the Easter bunny's not real, and none of those other stories are real either. And you just throw all that stuff right in the garbage and, you know, you just keep it moving. You know, so I remember as a, a young teenager, I didn't believe in any of this stuff. Like it didn't make any sense. I believe in science, you know, like it's just like, you know, the stories were so crazy, you know, that it was easy for me not to believe because 
you know, I can't trust my parents. They, they tried to get me to believe in Santa. You know what I mean? So it's like everything else got thrown out as well. You know, so as I'm, you know, trying to grow with the Lord, I needed to leave the Old Testament alone for a minute because there was a lot of crazy stories in there that I just knew that I wasn't ready to, to, to deal with. And I needed to figure out who Jesus is, you know, because if I can figure out who Jesus is, then I can make some sort of sense of this nonsense. Is it real or not? You know, and that's the question that Jesus presented to me back then is like, who am I? And it's like, I have all this religious background of going to church. So I I think I know who he is. But there's a lot of conversations I've had with friends that believe and don't believe. There's movies that I've watched. There's stories that I've you know listened to. There's stuff that I've learned in church that isn't biblical. You know, so there's all this stuff that I got in my head, and I'm not sure what to believe and what not to believe. You know, and this is where the statement comes that you just got to put it on the shelf. You put it on the shelf, and you just focus on who Jesus is. You know, and that's the question that a lot of you have been presented with. It's who is Jesus? Who's Jesus to you? Because if you can figure out that question, everything else begins to change. Because if what Jesus really did is true and we believe that, that if Jesus lived a sinless life, can't really prove it. They just kind of tell us that's what the Bible says. So we kind of like, all right, maybe. You know, was he a real person? There's a lot of, you know, information out there that's not even biblical about Jesus. You can find eight different types of literature that that reference Jesus outside of the Bible that he was actually a real person. You know, so therefore we can't, you know, just chalk it up to some sort of story. You know, plus it talks about him doing miracles in other texts outside of a biblical text. So there's Jewish literature, there's pagan literature. You know, there's Roman literature, there's Greek literature that talk about this Jesus guy performing miracles. And then it goes on to his crucifixion, which the Romans were very good at taking records. So they were the best at the time. They, they wrote everything down. So you can see in Roman texts that Jesus was crucified. On, You know, and the date is accurate to what the Bible says. But it also begins to talk about that this guy was walking around after he got crucified. There's texts outside of a biblical text that talk about that Jesus was resurrected and walking around, that people were coming out of their graves. You know, so when people say, oh, the Bible's not real, you can literally tell them to go research it themselves, and there's information outside of the Bible that, that verifies what the Bible is talking about is true. You know, and it's up to us that whether we believe it or not, you know, and it's one of those things. You believe it or you don't. You know, am I going to believe it? So I'm blessed to those that believe without seeing or do I need Jesus to continue to try to prove things to me? You know, and I used to be that way. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. I got to do it for myself. I got to do it for myself. I got to do it for myself. And where did that lead me? It led me into a lot of painful situations and a lot of dumpster fires that I had going on in my life. Because I got to do it my way every time, you know, and 
Since I've been trying to live a biblical life to the best of my ability and follow Jesus to the best of my ability and fall short all the time, that he has this way of continuing to, to make my paths as straight as possible in spite of me and my shortcomings, that he continues to do things that go beyond my understanding. And I know every time I try to force my will in some area or another, I just have this thing that plays in my head that you have a hundred percent track record of destroying everything you touch if you do it your way. And Jesus has a hundred percent track record of doing some crazy cool stuff if I surrender my will to him. Amen. You know, and that doesn't mean it's easy in the moment. It doesn't mean I want to. It just there's enough proven history in my life that if I do it my way, it's gonna get ugly. And if I do it his way, he has a way to work it all out. And, it, you know, and we, I've had moments where I'm praying through stuff and I tell him it's not going to work. It's not going to work. This isn't going to work. And he keeps saying, just do it this way. And I'm like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And he won't leave me alone. And finally I'm like, all right, I'm going to do it, but it's not going to work. And then I do it and it works. And I'm like, ah, I get so mad because he, he won again. You know, like, like I wanted to win. Like, but I do because I'm, you know, I have this thing inside of me that I want to be right. But yet, there's this other side of my brain that says, do you really? Do you really, Tom? Do you really want to continue to try to be right? Because how well has that worked for you in the past? And it's like, touche, Jesus, touche. You know, every one of us can have this relationship with him that he not only speaks to us through his word, that he begins to chime in throughout our day. You know, and how we know it's really him is it matches his word. You know, he's never going to tell us to do things that aren't in here. You know, and sometimes we're not quite sure. And that's why we're supposed to have people around us that, you know, know what they're doing on some level. You know, that have a little bit of story of following Jesus that, you know, it was like this. Something happened and this is what it's like now. You know, that, you know, we have spiritual, you know, accountability and spiritual leaders and should have some sort of relationship with a pastor you know, that help us to, to, to sort some things out. It's not everything I feel or think is always a God thing, but sometimes what I th- feel or think, you know, it is a God thing. And, you know, how do I sort through that? The only way I can sort through that is looking in the Bible to the best of my ability and, and talking to the people that I trust that, you know, walk to the best of their ability to follow Jesus. And, and through that, you know, I, I miss a lot of the potholes that I used to live in throughout my life, you know, because I just kept setting everything on fire. You know, so you fast forward some time, and I have no real recollection of the space amount of time that's between the last story and this story. But from what I was told is that you read through the Gospel of John, you skip through anywhere you want to go in, in the New Testament, but leave Revelations for last because that's the end of the story. You know, and for me, I needed to stay out of the Old Testament, and I encourage you to stay out of the Old Testament as well. Just stay in the New Testament and try to figure out who Jesus is for yourself. You know, and that's the advice that I was given many, many years ago, and that's the advice I still give today because it, it, it worked. It worked in my life, and I've watched it work in other people's lives. So I don't know. This could have been the next book I read. This could have been the 10th book I read, you know. I don't really know. I don't have a frame of reference, but this is another one of those stories that jumped off the page or jumped out of my chest. You know, in 2 Corinthians 7, 8 through 11, 
and said, I am not sorry that I sent you that severe letter to you. Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful, painful for you for a little while. Now I am glad that I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was a kind of sorrow God wants in his people to have, so that you were not harmed by us in any way, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Just see what this godly sorrow produced in you. Such earnestness, such concern, to the clear yourself, such ignition, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, such readiness to punish wrong. You showed that you have done everything necessary to make things right. And when I read this, I could see this whole thing, how God sent painful things into my life throughout my life to get me to turn from my sinful ways. But I chose to continue to push through it and do things my way. Like it was like a timeline that was like, I could see like God moved there, God moved there, God moved there, God moved there. But Tom kept doing what he wanted. Tom, Tom kept doing what he wanted. Tom kept doing what he wanted. Tom kept doing what he wanted. You know, hey, Tom, you have a problem. You should go to rehab. Tom kept doing what he wanted. Tom went to jail. You know, Tom got out of jail. Tom went back to jail because Tom kept doing what he wanted. You know, and it was, you know, this is the story. Like, you know, where is God in all this pain? He's right there in the midst of it because he's trying to get me to turn from my sinful ways. You know, and it's important that we understand that he's not necessarily the causer of pain. You know, that I'm a sinful man and I live in a sinful world and I've sinned against people and I've caused them pain. You know, and what God showed me many years ago, you know, and it's still true to this day. You know, see if you guys can relate with me. Have you ever been on the way to go do something that you know you're not supposed to do? Yeah. And you do it anyway. Yeah. You ever been on your way to go do something what you're, you know you're, you know you're not supposed to do and you hear this little voice tell you not to do it? And you did it anyway. You ever been on your way to go do something you're not supposed to do and you hear this little voice that tells you not to do it and it tells you what's going to happen if you do do it and you do it anyway and what you heard was going to happen actually happened. Every one of us in here has that story. Prior to having Jesus, this is the Holy Spirit intersecting our lives, trying to keep us from sinning. He's been trying to lead us to Jesus our whole entire lives. Now, here's the kicker. Just as I've pushed through that, and I've caused sin, and I've sinned against other people, and I've caused pain, the people that have sinned against me heard the same little voice because everybody in here said that they've heard it. So it's 100% that the Holy Spirit is trying to prevent pain, preventing sin, but I chose not to listen. You chose not to listen. The people that harmed us chose not to listen. You know, and, and we can get so far down that path of not listening. The Bible talks about your conscience is seared. You don't even hear the voice anymore. You know, so the people that have hurt us, 
the people that have harmed us, the people that have traumatized us, on one level or another, God was trying to intersect their lives to try to prevent pain. But because I chose to push through that little voice, painful things happened to me. And here I am reading in his word that God sent pain and he's not sorry. Because the result of that was to turn me from my selfish and sinful ways to my salvation. There's not a one of us in here that got to Jesus on a good day. It's just not how it works. Like everything's going great. I think I'm just going to like accept Jesus today and just start going to church. Like that's not how this works. Usually it's the worst thing that we could possibly ever imagine and we have no hope and we, you know, are thinking suicidal thoughts and we just want to burn the world to the ground and kill everybody we know. I'm just speaking for myself. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, you want to go to church? And it's like, okay. Like, like where did that come from? I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't want to hear people talk about Jesus. I don't like any Christians. I've never been a Christian I like, actually. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, do you want to go to church? It's like, I was in a crack house three days ago. I guess church can't really hurt me. <laughs> you know, and off to church I go. You know, and every one of us has that type of a story that things weren't going so hot and we found ourselves in church and it's like, why am I here? Like, how did I end up here? Like, why am I doing this? Am I actually going to do this with my life? This is insane. You know, and now I've become one of those Christians that I would have really, really hated back in the day. You know, and, you know, we all have our own personal stories on how pain led us to a place where no counseling, no one's voice, no one's, you know, wisdom, nothing could get us to turn, but pain finally got our attention. You know, and this is what this text did for me in that moment. Paul's talking about writing a, a letter to the Corinthians, and they were upset with the letter, but he wasn't sorry because... It eventually turned them from their sinful ways to their salvation. You know, and this is what took place as I read this, is that God showed me time and time and time again areas that I had a moment in, in, in my life where I had a choice to change, a choice to choose something else, a choice to, to, to not do something, and I kept trucking through those roadblocks. You know, and there was something more painful on the other side. You know, and... I'm going to end with this story here tonight, you know, and this was very early in my walk with Christ. And, and I was coming to the church and I was coming to everything that when the church was open, I was there, you know, that I was so desperate for something to take place. I was so sick of going back and forth. I was so sick of going back out. I was so sick of who I was. I hated myself. You know, something had to take place, you know, and, you know, and I would come to special prayer meetings and worship meetings and people would be raising their hands. And I'd be like, that's really weird. You know, and, you know, and I would just stand there like looking around the room, judging everybody you know, like they're the weird ones. You know, like my life, you know, and everything I did was like, you know, hey, OK. And, you know, people are praying and I'm like, you know, that person's fake and that person's fake. Well, that one's kind of like something's happening. I don't know what's going on with that person. I don't understand why that person's crying. That doesn't make any sense. What's going, you know, what's, that person's emotionally unstable. 
you know, I was just extremely judgmental with everything, you know. But by coming time and time again and seeing people, you know, worshiping God and praying and and, and really like consistency started to take place. I started to see that certain people were doing the same things, you know, that they weren't, you know, wishy-washy. They were always kind of consistent with what I would say is their weirdness, you know, and, you know, and, and the pastor we up there and he even said it this past Sunday, Oh, the, the presence of God is in the room. And I'm standing there and I'm like looking around and I'm like, this dude's insane. You know, like, you know, like what's really happening here? You know, and I remember that I was sitting over in almost the same section that, you know, I sit today, you know, and I'm standing there and I'm just judging people because I know how to judge people. I'm really good at judging people, you know, and I'm, the Holy Spirit kicked in. And that's before I recognized that the Holy Spirit was, you know, even speaking to me because I didn't think God was real. So how can God be talking to me? And I had this thought. That if these people really are having authentic encounters and God's presence is in this room, then what's in my life that's in the way of me and God? And it really was like an aha moment. Because there's a laundry list of stuff that I'm doing outside of church that isn't the best. You know, I'm sleeping with every girl I can possibly be around. I have a pretty strong porn addiction. You know, I, I have anger issues through the roof. You know, I steal everything I touch. You know, I have horrible relationships. I manipulate everybody. I'm selfish. You know, like, I'm just a, a train wreck of, of a person. You know, and I'm judging people that are at church for, in you know, their intentions are wrong. You know, because I'm just a hot mess. But what if this is real? What if... God really is in this room, and I'm just so jacked up I can't experience it. So I started going home, and in my prayer life, I started praying this prayer, and and I hope that the Holy Spirit passes that on to you because it really is something that changed my life. And I started saying, God, show me what's in the way between me and you. And every day I started saying, God, show me what's in the way between me and you because I don't see it. I couldn't see it. God, show me what's in the way between me and you. And I prayed it every day. God, show me what's in the way between me and you. And I'll keep going to those Bible studies. I keep going to the church services. I keep showing up on Sunday. I didn't understand worship. I thought worship was really weird. And I said, God, show me what's in the way between me and you. And little by little, God says, uh, you might want to throw the Playboys away. That's not God. That's not God. God, show me what's in the way between me and you. Like, you know, you might want to deal with this porn addiction. Like, yeah. All right, what's in the way between me and you? And he keeps bringing this thing back to the surface. You know, and I, I say that because at that point in time, I just had a new subscription to Playboy and Maxim for like two years. And I had those magazines come out of my house, and I started throwing them in the recycling bin before I, I didn't, never opened them. I didn't let it back in my house. I got rid of everything that was in my house that was perverse in that way, and I, and I threw it away. And I said, all right, 
What what's next? But show me what's in the way between me and you. Well, you need to repent to the you know, you need to apologize to this person, like, yeah, that's not happening. So show me what's in the way between me and you. You know you know, this wasn't something that I just heard it and did it. Me and him fought in every one of these things, just like you will, because you're not gonna want to do what he says. But as you pray it, he'll start showing you one thing after another that's in the way between you growing more intimate with him. You know, and he started showing me one after another, one after another, one after another. And I started seeing the benefits of it. So I started doing it quicker. But then he really starts touching some things that are really close to home. You know, and at that time, you know, I had a, a collection of dragons that was probably well over a hundred. I had knives and knickknacks and, and paintings and posters and knives and, and, you know, things hanging off the wall. And I built a shelf that was, you know, had dragons hanging off it. And I had everywhere you looked in my living room, every inch of that living room had dragons in it. You know, and he said, Get rid of the dragons. And I swore at him. Like, that ain't never happening. Uh Ain't never happening. So you can just, you can keep it moving, Jesus. We We ain't even touching that one. And every time I pray, it's like, get rid of the dragons. And I'm like, I told you we're not doing that. So you just move it on. (laughs) You know, and I would pray, show me what's in the way between me and you. And he's like, Get rid of the dragons. I'm like, you're just not understanding how this is supposed to be working here, Jesus. You know, and and I fought him on this one for several weeks, several weeks. You know, and eventually it it came to the point that I was ready to surrender. You know, there's some other things that he was also telling me in that time that it was time to leave the tattoo shop, and I'm like, well, this is my ministry. You know, these are my people. You know, so I wasn't listening to that. You know, as I kept praying, show me what's in the way between me and you. I had a list of stuff that I wasn't willing to do. You know, it's not like I was just obedient overnight. But eventually, you know, I had some things in place that, you know, if these things happened, it was time for me to leave the tattoo shop. And and enough of those things happened that that scale tipped. And I remember walking outside and sitting on the curb in front of my apartment, and I looked up at the sky and I said, I hear you. It's time for me to leave the tattoo shop. You know, and I, and I called a friend, and, and I had to borrow their car so I could get all my personal belongings out of the tattoo shop. And, you know, I showed up the next morning and, and told my bosses that I was going to quit and I couldn't be there anymore. And that was one of the hardest things that I did because I was walking away from money. I was walking away from my identity. I was walking away from my friends. For Jesus. And I felt completely insane. You know, where was money going to come from? You know, what are people going to think of me? You know, there's all this stuff that's crashing. And I'm like, all right. Show me what's in the way between me and you. He's like, get rid of the dragons. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, enough already. Like, I just gave up my job. Like, are you like, and I was like, Okay. Okay, I hear you. 
you know, and I invited some people over to my house and we started packing them up. And I, I kid you not, they're talking me out of it. The whole time I'm trying to do it, they're talking me out. Oh, you don't need to do this. It's not, you know, it's not that big of a deal. And I just like, they got to go. You know, and then I didn't know what to do with them. I mean, I had a lot of dragons, you know, and most of them had to be wrapped in newspaper and put in boxes because, you know, they were glass and resin and pewter and clay and, you know, plastic and, and glass. And I mean, there's, I mean, I had a lot. I wish I had pictures, but, you know, there are stories that float around of people having to come over to the dragon's den, you know. But, you know, I decided to, to surrender and say, God, I'm ready to do that. You know, and it wasn't easy. You know, being obedient to God isn't always easy. You know, he's going to ask you to do things that you don't want to do. However, if you do it, God takes care of things. You know, and I'm so grateful today that that's part of my story and that I, I surrendered. And through the years, I've just learned that being submitted to authority and being surrendered to what he's telling me to do guides me better than I could ever guide myself. And he always takes care of me. He always provides for me. He always blesses me. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, don't obey just to get blessed because you'll get let down. This isn't a tit for tat that if I do this, I'm going to get that because that's not how it works. You know, I do this, I get Jesus. And that's the greatest thing that you can get. And then having a relationship with Jesus that we're truly blessed. You know, and he has a way of doing things that don't make any sense. You know, and it, and yet it just gives him the glory. Praise God. It was some time later that as I'm reading finally in the in the Old Testament, I trip across this verse. Then in Psalms 139, 23, and 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, and lead me along your path of everlasting life. I was praying his word before I ever read it. Because I wanted this relationship with him. And it was a Holy Spirit-inspired prayer that eventually I tripped across what I'd been praying in his word. And it just confirmed so much that how he's paying attention to everything that we go through, every prayer that we pray. There isn't an instantaneous answer to prayer. He's not the genie in the Bible. We can't rub it and get three wishes. That's not how this works. However, if I spend time in his word and I spend time talking to him, I get him. And that's the greatest thing any of us could ever want. You know, and it's hard sometimes. It's hard to say that I want Jesus when I just want my car payment paid. I just want my kids to behave. I just want this new job. I just want, if I get this, it's going to get better. But Jesus has this way of walking us through the, the darkest of valleys and we grow in our relationship with him, and we get him in the midst of a storm, and he calms that storm, and we're able to sleep in the boat, and the waves are crashing around us, and we just have a peace that goes beyond all understanding. 
and it doesn't make sense to people around us of why we do what we do, but we do it because we know Jesus is real. We have a relationship, an authentic relationship that I talk to him and I'm starting to hear, you know, him talk to me. His Bible continues to show me that he's true and that, that he's relevant in my life. And he continues to, to show me how he's, he's doing all these things. And it continues to blow my mind what he's capable of doing. You know, so I just ask you to, to stand with me tonight as I, I end. Just want you to take a minute. Is there anything that you might need to repent of? I'm not asking you to do it out loud. I'm not asking you to come forward. Just stay right where you're at and just ask Jesus to come in and and just give yourself to him because that's why we're here. That's why we're here. We need and want more Jesus. So just take a minute before I pray and just talk to him. Lord, I just ask that you would move in this room tonight in a powerful, powerful way. Each and every one of us needs you. Lord, I pray that any seeds that were planted this evening, Lord, would go deep within our heart, Lord, that that you would cover them, that you would guard them, you would put a hedge of protection on each and every one of us, Lord, that we would leave here today with your seed, your word, not anything I necessarily spoke, but Lord, we would know that you spoke to us. There's something specific that was said here tonight that we know was for me personally. Lord, and I pray that each one of us would begin to to take that next step with you, that we would trust you, that we would be obedient, that we would allow you to guide us, that we would allow you to to take us to new places in you, in your word. Help us to grow in our understanding of who you are. Help us to grow in our relationship with you. Help us to grow in our ability to hear you. Lord, help us to get rid of any distractions. Show us what's in the way between me and you, Lord. And help us to do what is necessary to be obedient. Even though we'll struggle, we'll fight with you, Lord. Don't let us win. Don't let us win, Lord. We just thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many. Amen.